You guys may be seated. One commentator put it this way. When it pleases God by his judgment, he can use lions or lice, famines or flies. In the armory of God, there are weapons of every kind, from the stars in their courses down to caterpillars in their host. I think that was a great quote because it just reminds us of what God is doing here with these plagues. He's using for these Egyptians, um, things that they take for granted, things that are around them, the water that they drink from the Nile, and somehow they believe that the Nile is the source of life, and yet it turns to blood. Um, they have the frogs that they believe will kind of stay contained to where those water spaces are, and yet they come out from their natural habitats into their homes, into their kitchens, into their bedrooms, into their beds, into their kneading bowls. And then we have last week the gnats. They come in and they swarm and they're all around them. And then this week we have the flies that come in and this is the kind of the, the, the biting variety and now it's on them and biting them and causing them this misery. These are things that were around them every single day, but they always took for granted, ah, those things stay over here and I stay here. As long as I keep my distance, those things are not going to bother me. I'm not going to bother them. And it just reminds us this quote here that God can use the very small things to do very big things. And he can use very big things to do very small things. One thing that we've seen very consistent is that God is the one who is in control in the situation. It is not the gods of the Egyptians. It's not the God of the Nile. It's not the God of the gnats. It's not the God of the frogs. It's not Hechet. It's not happy. It's not the God of the earth. And what we're going to see here is it's not the God of the flies either. God is in control of all of those things. As minute and minuscule as they may be, God is sovereign over even them. Which reminds us about the character of God. I mean, you think about it. Once they get out into the wilderness and God gives them the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is don't make any images of me, right? Don't, don't make images that, that represent me. Why? Uh, well, number one, what image really represents God? I mean, what, what does he look like? Does he have arms? and, and let, What does his face look like? I mean, we talk about God in these anthropomorphic terms, but yet God's not like man. He, he's not one who has a face like we do and arms like we do. He is so much bigger than. But I think there's another reason that God doesn't want us to create these image or fashion these images is because there's no image that you could create that really fully envelops who God is. Because God is bigger than anything that you can create, and God is smaller than anything you could create. God takes care of the really big problems in our life. He takes care of the very small. God is the one who created the universe and flung planets and stars and galaxies into it, and yet God is the one who created our body. Literally, the scripture says that we were knit together in our mother's womb, and he's the one who strung together our DNA and our RNA and connected chromosomes to those things. I mean, God is bigger than we can imagine, and he's smaller than we can imagine. And that's what we're getting a hold to as we go through these plagues, is that God is in control. God sees the big picture. God sees the small picture. And God is in control of all of it. 
Now, we're not going to elaborate every single week about the patterns that we have here in these 10 plagues, but I do want to mention them every time I have an opportunity, just so that we keep in mind how we're categorizing these, how we see these, how they're interconnected. Uh, First, we know that the 10 plagues are divided into four groups. There are three groups of three, which gives you nine, and then there's one that stands off by itself. The first three are connected, the second three are connected, the third three are connected, and then the last one, the death of the firstborn, stands off as an ultimate plague, the finality of all of these plagues that have been strung together throughout the story of the Exodus. Now, the other thing that we see is in the progression of those sets of threes, we also see a pattern. That pattern is an outside confrontation with Pharaoh an inside confrontation with Pharaoh, and then a strike on Egypt with no confrontation at all. So we saw that with those first three, which we finished last week. We saw God told Moses to get up early in the morning and go meet Pharaoh outside as he's going to the Nile to worship. And and Moses spoke that word. The next one was go into Pharaoh where he is. So he goes into his quarters and he speaks the next one. And then last week we saw where Aaron, without any confrontation with Pharaoh whatsoever, no conversation, he strikes the ground and the dust that comes up turns into gnats. And of course, that's the infestation that takes place there. With this week, the beginning of the second set of three, you're going to see the same pattern. Matter of fact, even to the point that God tells Moses to go out to Pharaoh while he's on his way to apparently worship at the Nile or worship at the edge of the water. So you're going to see that same confrontation. And then in the third set, you're going to see the same confrontation outside, inside, no confrontation, but a strike on Egypt. And the last one again stands off by itself. Now, the other thing that we need to see is that these plagues are progressive in nature, in their intensity. Um, We see at the beginning, it's an inconvenience that's given to the Egyptian people. The inconvenience becomes even more inconvenient as they are all around them. They can't go to sleep at night because frogs are in their bed. Now there are these gnats that are buzzing around and getting in their food, their mouth. You you ever been like around gnats so bad and you you can't breathe without one going in your nose or getting in your mouth and it's just disgusting? Imagine if you were just inundated with gnats, what that would be like. Huge inconvenience and now it's getting to the point of being uncomfortable. And now this week, what you start is the next section, which is beyond uncomfortable. Now it's beginning to affect them. So we have these biting flies that are coming in and they're going to begin to bite them. And of course, with biting flies, you have also uh, the onset of diseases, which is what you're going to see with these next three is more and more disease and sickness coming into the plagues, to the plagues. 